Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man on the Post podcast. Uh, my name's Chris. With me, as ever, I've got um, Mark. Is that Mark? Yep, yeah, hello. I've got Emma. Hiya. And this week, oh, we've got a, a very special guest. We've got uh, back for his second appearance, although we didn't, so good, we didn't show his first one. Uh, we've got writer, musician, broadcaster, poet, gentleman, scholar, and acrobat Musa Okwonga. Right there. Good evening. <laughs> How you doing, all right? Very well, thanks. All good. Excellent. So this week we're going to be talking uh, all things Premier League. Uh, it's been quite an eventful week within the Premier League. Uh, we're going to be talking everything's happened there. We're going to be talking the European news as well. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about banners, which might tie into the Premier League stuff. And then we've got some predictions. Uh, but first of all, we're going to start with some breaking news today. Uh, Richie Barker, who I only really know as a failed striker on Championship Manager, uh, he was the Portsmouth manager till today, and he's been sacked. So, Pompey fan Emma, do you want to talk us through the repercussions of this? Uh, well, it's been pretty obvious, sort of, for I'd say almost stretching back about the last six games. They've been pretty diabolical. I think is a fair description of them. And um, he just wasn't working. It he wasn't. He it was clear by by Rochdale which was Tuesday, that he didn't have any passion for the club and there was lots of rumours flying around about what he was saying and and coming out and making comments that as a manager facing relegation from the bottom of the Football League, you really wouldn't expect them to be saying. So I think that the board have made the right decision. What did he they, say? Um, things like, well, you know, the club's been relegated before, you know, you'll get relegated again, sort of just little things that no there was absolutely no need to come out and say um and he sent he you know he sent various players off on loan that it sort of doesn't particularly make much sense i know a couple of them have been recalled today and um and i just felt a bit it, i think he'd he'd run his course they weren't playing well under him they weren't scoring goals the defense wasn't tight enough and when it comes to dropping out of the football league, you've got to you've got to act fast. You've got to try and do some, you know, anything you can to save them. And I think that the passion that Andy Orford will bring in might be enough to save them. It might install something in the players that that potentially Barker wasn't. So you think it's a good all eyes on the bottom two teams of the league? I think. Can I just jump in there? Like, how did it just implode in three months? You know, why was the sky pointed in the first place? That's the strange thing. Well, I don't know. I, um, I, he was sacked from Crawley days before we we hired him. So I and you know if if someone's gonna be sacked and and you go then go after them, to me it never made much sense anyway. He when he came in, he didn't really. He was sort of poised as like a ambitious young manager and. At the end of the day, he hasn't shown that his teams have. I mean, it has been. I've watched some diabolical football over the last four or five years, and I think Richie Barker's team is just about the top of that list. You were there on they, Tuesday, weren't you? Yeah, I went up to Rochdale. Um, I don't know why. Don't ask me. And oh. it was just, it was awful. It was just another day ruined completely by the football. And I've, about the last three, four months, I think I've been saying that. So, are you are you hopeful with who they've appointed now? Um, well, like I said, Orford. I mean, Orford's been at the club for so long that he definitely has the passion. And I know a lot of Pompey fans are now saying, "Well, you know, we can be safe now. He he'll do a good job." And and yeah, fair enough. He he might do a good job, but I and on paper, the players we've got should well be enough to stay in the league. 
But really, is if it's only passion we need, I'm not entirely sure myself. I still think that it might be too little, too late. I, I'm not entirely sure if they will survive. Oh, I hope they do. <laughs> well, moving on from one unhappy Portsmouth fan to a probably equally disgruntled Manchester United fan. You're a United fan, aren't you, Musa? Yes, indeed, indeed. So Tuesday night they lose three 0 at home uh, to nearest and dearest Manchester City. So was City good? United poor? A bit of both? How was it? Yeah, it was a bit of both. I was surprised by how poor they were actually in the opening stages. They just um, they didn't expect City to fly out the traps at them, which was a shame because they they really really should have. They put a third player in midfield, and the idea there was, I think, to shore up the midfield. There are two problems with that. Firstly. It's a system they don't play that often, even though I think it was the right choice. And secondly, it was the wrong configuration of midfield three. So you basically have Carrick and Fellaini, who don't really press the ball, and Cleverly, who does. So you had one guy in midfield doing all the running, which is never going to work against a team as good as City, and, and it didn't, unfortunately. Uh, then you had David Silva, who basically you know ate us alive for the first 15 minutes. Um, and the, you know, the game, United brought themselves back into it, but after the first 15 minutes... They were always chasing, always chasing City, unfortunately. So was it the case you got two giants in midfield? You got Fellaini and Yaya Torre. Was the could you sort of see the the difference in teams basically through them? I mean, Torre had a ninety-one percent pass completion rate. I'm presuming Fellaini didn't. Well, I mean, Fellaini's not a giant. He's tall. This is the thing. Like for a big guy, he's not particularly physical. Um, and to be honest, I'm I'm actually more and more baffled by his acquisition every single week. He's not particularly fast. He doesn't press the ball. Um, he's not particularly strong in the tackle. Um, he doesn't time his tackle particularly well. He should have been sent off his elbow and Zabaleta. Um, it's just that whenever, you know, he, he's, he's perfectly fine against teams that aren't of the elite level. But the second you put him up against a really, you know, a really good side, he, he struggles. He really struggles. And the only thing I'm looking at is I'm slightly questioning why Belgium put so much faith in him at the base of their midfield for the World Cup because, you know, he's playing with some outstanding players. But so far at United, we haven't seen the player that would reward that that platform. No, no. Well, I don't suppose it's fair to play all of him, but, I mean, poor old Zabaleta had a bit of an evening, didn't he? Talking about Fellaini. Yeah, I mean, I, the elbow looked really, really bad and Fellaini said that it was unintentional. It doesn't look... He's got form, really though, hasn't he? Yes, he does. Well, this is the thing, and you know, even United players aren't defending him from it. You know, even um, uh, Paul Scholes commented, I think it should have been a red. So that sort of says it all, really. And, and certainly, look, not not blaming Fellaini all for it, but you know, like many others, he had a game to forget. I would say the only really, really good players, um, probably David De Gea. David De Gea was probably the only really, really good player for United, which sort of says it all, really. And he was called into action a fair bit too. You can say that a few times this season, though, can't you? That their best player has been De Gea. Right. I mean, I just hope that, I hope that we hold on to him, to be honest. Do you think he's going somewhere? I don't know. I mean, look, uh, Barcelona have just signed Ter Stegen from Merchant Gladbach. So, uh, Gladbach. so he might be safer now. There was a worry before that his you know, his girlfriend was in Barcelona. He was not sure how happy he was here. He might be a bit homesick. There was a fear halfway through the season that he might be off. But hopefully if we can make good signings this summer um, and make, you know, maybe some necessary changes, then um, then he'll hang around. Yeah, you can afford a year at the Champions League, I suppose, can't you? But as for any more than that, then it gets a lot I, more dire. I think you can afford a couple. I mean, you know, it's United; they can afford to pay really good money, even with a terrible season um, that we've had. You know, we're, we're still like we're still sort of top, we're still top half of the table. If you look at someone like AC Milan, for example, AC Milan had a terrible season this year, and they're still an attractive target for players to go to. So, you know, I think I think we'll be all right, to be honest. Mm. There's bigger problems we've had. And the Everton and um, Portsmouth fans on the podcast, I'm sure, are full of sympathy. Uh, don't worry, I'm not asking for it. I'm not asking for it. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, I'm really not asking for that. I think this is welcome to what we've been going through for the last sort of 20 years in football, I think. This is, you're now going through as United fans what the rest of us have been going through. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not going to deny that. Look, I didn't, <laughs> you, won't, you won't draw me into that. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not going to be here whinging about anything. This is, a, you know, <laughs> you've got it mildly. <laughs> Okay, uh, Arsenal to Swansea two. Now, Arsenal behind for much of this game. I, unfortunately, I haven't seen any games. I've not been well, and um, Tuesday night I was I was out. I'm afraid. So the two are definitely not connected. But um, so I'm not managed to see any football. So apparently Arsenal were behind for most of the game. Um, 
they drew level and then it, well I mean, they went ahead didn't they and there was a Flamini own goal in the last minute um, again this doesn't look good, good for Arsenal Everton are now only with a game in hand six points behind them do you smell in fourth place Mark? Um, it's possible but um, you know at this stage of the season games are running out and we play them in two weeks time at Goodison Park so um, you know the, the Arsenal are playing City this weekend we're playing Fulham um, if they lose and we win, there could be a significant goal difference swing because there's not really much in that either. As you, and you would expect Arsenal to be well ahead of a team like Everton on goal difference at least. Um, it would be nice, but we've got some hard home games. You know, we've got Man City to play at home. We've got United to play at home. You always okay. beat City at home, don't you? That was the Moyes versus Man City uh, versus Mancini era. Moyes had some kind of Indian sign over over Mancini for the three or four years they came up against each other. Uh, you know, this is a different city. It's a different, I, I don't know. And City have got the Premier League, on, haven't they? And then Australs. So we've got we've got them to play. We've got Arsenal to play still. We've got United to play at home games. So it's possible, but I would say we're probably, um, you know, decent outside outsiders to, to do it. It depends on how, how, how bad Arsenal play. And I mean, I didn't see the game against Swansea. I haven't seen any of that game. Um, but obviously they were poor before they had a man sent off against Chelsea. Mm. Um, you know, and they they looked like they were in for a, a thrashing even before they were down to ten men. Um, but you know, I was at the I was at the Newcastle Everton game, so that was the only only ninety minutes I've seen this week. Oh right, fair enough. What, did you hear about the uh, referee blowing up at the last minute? Is anybody not blowing up literally, but blowing his whistle? Oh. <laughs> um, did anybody hear this one? This was yeah. the uh, 2-2 last minute and Swansea player threw on goal just as he burst through the keeper to beat referee blows his whistle. Swansea obviously not very happy. They would feel they were denied a goal-scoring opportunity. The referee said, well, it's 90 minutes. What can I do? Well, what seems what seems to happen a lot these days is, um, I mean, there's that famous instance from the 78 World Cup, isn't there, where I think it was Clive Thomas ruled out a Brazil goal from a corner Zico. in the last minute. Yeah. Zico, was it, yeah? And he ruled out a goal because it was the 90 minutes or, or the end of what he saw as the game. Um, it seems to me now, when you watch a game, that if one team's attacking, you know, they're, they're building up the play or they're trying to get wide or whatever, the referees are looking at the watch, but it's almost as if they're, right, I'll, I'll blow as soon as this attack's over, rather than they're going to blow when the actual time that they've allowed on at the end of the game has, has elapsed. You know, so tough luck for Swansea if the guy, if that was the end of the game and that was when time was up. You know, he's playing by the rules, but it just seems like it's almost a given that the refs won't blow for full time until an attack's petered out, you know, just because they don't want to put themselves in that position that this referee seems to have put himself in from the uh, Arsenal-Swansea game. Well, 90 minutes is 90 minutes, isn't it? What can you do? Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think Everton had this a couple of years ago, didn't they, against um, United? I remember Moyes and Kevin Round running on the pitch when it was 3-3 and you were through on goal again. Mm, yeah, that vaguely rings a bell. I yeah. think you were, a... they were three, United were 3-1 up, I think, in going into injury time, and you were drawing 3 all by the end oh, of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the game, yeah. 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 And then Round... I think, we, I think we'd already, they'd already gone past the whatever the referee had stuck on the end of... Uh, injury time anyway, because obviously we'd scored a couple of goals in the last two or three minutes. So, yeah, but if, if the time's up, the time's up. doesn't matter where you are on the pitch. Mm. That's the rules, you know. It is. It is, unfortunately. So we're going to what you were doing. Um, you were at Newcastle then for mm -hmm. Newcastle nil, Everton 3, Bart and Osman and Lukaku. Yep. Uh, was it a 3-0 hammering? Did it feel like that? 3-0 um, was the right result. I mean, Everton played well, don't get me wrong. They, they put in the what you would call the 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 supreme away performance, you know, they Newcastle came out in the first five minutes and had two or three attempts at goal, or there was a few scrappy bits and pieces in the area, um, and Everton kept it tight from that, you know, from that an early early scare, and then they were hitting Newcastle, they were keeping the ball, they were hitting Newcastle on fast, sharp counter attacks, and the game just got easier and easier as it went on, and and three nil. Didn't flatter Everton. They could have maybe got one or two more. Um, but the the biggest thing you've got to bring out of that match about is how appalling Newcastle were. Absolutely dreadful. They had no passion. 
the crowd, well, well they might as well not, not have been there. They weren't even booing the team for playing badly, let alone singing the songs anyway. Um, the players showed no ambition. You know, they're definitely on the they're on the holiday bus already up there. You can see that. Um, and if they've played like that for any length of time this season, without the start they they had, they'd be they'd be going down the tubes because they were they were shocking. You know, and it was just a surprise that the the, the Newcastle fans fans weren't laying into them throughout the ninety minutes. Were they? But, Go on. Yeah, but I mean that's again as I said, not taken away from from the performance Everton put in because you know at this stage of the season. Um, we don't have a big squad to keep rotating around, but Martinez keeps, you know, tinkering with one or two positions per game, and he came up with the right, the right uh, formation and the right people in that formation for this particular game. Were the natives restless at Newcastle? Well, they're always re- they're always restless up, up at Newcastle, but the the forty seven, forty eight thousand of them who were there the other night, they they looked like they just couldn't, you know, there was no trying to cheer the team on when they were behind and the ground was empty by the finish. You know, I, I know that a lot of teams, Everton, for example, most of the crowd stayed behind to boo if we'd played that bad. You know, at least show your feelings, show your your passion towards the team and whether you've been entertained or embarrassed. And they were embarrassed the other night. They were they were awful. The horses of Newcastle got nothing to fear. The what? The horses of Newcastle got nothing to fear. The horses of Newcastle, yeah. <laughs> they might get punched now and again, I suppose. Um <laughs> I mean, Newcastle have clearly been winded by the loss of Johan Cabai because he was their main creative outlet and he was the one really good thing about that midfield, I think. Mm. And it's looking with every passing week as if, you know, he made a supremely good choice going where he went. I mean, he's now in the Champions League quarterfinal while mm. his old team is really, really struggling. Uh, it's interesting to see that now. Absolutely. I mean, there was there's, there's two or three players who play in that team who certainly basked in the reflected glory from Cabai. You know, play people like Teote who, who have been rated as decent players for a long time when he doesn't have a Kabai alongside him he looks very very limited and I heard a stat it was actually before the Crystal Palace game they won in injury time was that in the seven or eight games that Remy hadn't played for Newcastle this season they hadn't scored a single goal and that was until the the last minute winner or the injury time winner against Palace on Saturday and he didn't play the other night and as I say bar, bar the first Five minutes where they put a bit of put a bit of pressure on and and a half chance or or a decent chance near the end when Anita sliced it wide, you know it was they had absolutely nothing going for them, you know really bad. But Everton seemed to be you know they had the disappointment of the Arsenal Cup defeat and I I thought that might be the season petering out petering out a bit now, but uh, maybe we're starting to get a second wind. Uh, right, so next we've done Newcastle. So next is um, actually we'll do West Ham first because Sam Allardyce got booed by his own fans for winning. They beat Ten Man Hull two one, but apparently it was a bit of a bit of a struggle. Uh, and Allardyce got booed, which he was most incandescent about. I don't have anybody seen a team being booed for winning before. I can't remember. Actually, it's a good point. I can't remember such a thing. And you know, actually Hull aren't they're a pretty decent side. Mm. You know, win over Hull's not such a bad thing. But I think it's maybe sort of the more more reflection of the recent form because West Ham have been fairly poor um, this season at times. So maybe it's a sort of cumulative effect. Yeah. Also, you know, you West Ham have got the tradition of playing good football and and want to be entertained. And I think they're fairly well clear of any relegation threat, aren't they, at this stage of the season? That you'd, as a West Ham fan, you'd want them to play something attractive, some decent football. You know, come as they're coming towards the end of a season where it doesn't seem they're going to look like they're going to be any trouble. They don't need to scrap, scrap any wins anymore. And if Allardyce is still, if if they're still going out and playing that way against a ten-man Hull, who, as Musa said, are a decent team, but at this stage of the season, West Ham would be desperate to to stick a few past them, wouldn't they? So you can kind of understand why they're getting a bit miffed about it. I suppose you can. It's a bit of a misnomer about Sam and his the way he plays, isn't he? I mean, this is the guy who used to have JJ Kotcher and Yuri Jilkaya for his team. Uh, yeah, true, but then he had people like Kevin Davis and, you know... Pedersen, uh, Pedersen at left back. Pedersen, <laughs> yeah. Some real sloggers, didn't they? I suppose. Right, last game of the week was at the Coliseum, Liverpool 2, Sunderland 1. Liverpool scored through, I think it was Gerrard and uh, Danny Sturridge, wasn't it? And then yep. Key scored for um, Sunderland. 2-1 sounds a bit close. I didn't see this at all, but, I mean, was it a, a 
were Liverpool lucky here? Um, I wouldn't say they were lucky because they were the better team overall and, and they deserved the three points. However, it wasn't the Liverpool of the last six weeks, you know, free-flowing football. Um, they got they got their 2-0 cushion after Storage scored and then it seemed to me like uh, it was a bit of a combination of they took the foot off the gas a bit and maybe Suarez, Storage, Coutinho a little bit were playing maybe for themselves a bit more rather than for the team. And I think that complacency allied to then Sunderland pulled their finger out and Poyet put their most influential players onto the pitch. Key, Johnson and eventually Colback, who, who have been their best players for the last six weeks, from what I've seen. Yeah. Then, you know, it was hard for Liverpool to get back into top gear again. And that's when Sunderland started coming back in. And although Liverpool did deserve it, um, Sunderland made a good fight of the last 20 minutes and they almost nicked a point. Okay. You listened to this, didn't you, Emma, on your way back from um, Rochdale? Yes, I did. What did you make of it? Um, it sounded, yeah, just like Liverpool took their foot off the gas for however long it was, 20 minutes, and and nearly felt the repercussions of it, but luckily enough didn't. But what I don't understand is that those are like those have been Sunderland's best players and why he didn't start with them, whether it was injury or... Or what it was, I I can't figure it out. Maybe he was resting them because he went to to Liverpool thinking he wasn't going to get anything. But that's not the most healthy way to go into a football game when you're when you're in the position that Sunderland are in. Must it has to be that really because. But but at this stage they've got nothing else to play for except league points. Exactly. Um, you know they could have nicked a point there if they'd start. You know they could have been six nil. But if they put their best team out in the beginning and they pinched an unlikely point against Liverpool, that could make all the difference between them staying up and staying down uh, and going down. And if they was if he was resting them, Sunderland's not next game isn't until Monday night. You know, they've got thirty six hours more than every other team. Hmm. Or, or or even longer than most other teams are playing. So did they really need to be rested? The the, the three players who for me in recent times have um been Sunderland's best players. Especially Key. He's the key man, excuse the pun. Was he the one that ducked his head out of the way earlier on in the season when they were at Palace? That sent De Canio into some hissy fit? Oh, I can't remember. I'm sure it was him. Maybe it's not. Well, the top four reads Arsenal 63, Man City 66, uh, having played two games less than everyone else, Liverpool 68 and Chelsea 69. I still think Chelsea are going to win this league. Who does everybody else think? Don't Chelsea have the easiest run in by some distance? How very dare you? They're going to go to Anfield. Ah, well, no, no. <laughs> apart from the Anfield. <laughs> I think they do. Many... I think you're right. I think Liverpool is all they've got left to play in the top 10, I think, isn't it? Is it? Right. So apart from, yeah, mm. apart from that. Um, it, it, still looks, it still looks to me like City, actually, um, just because City have that firepower. Um, although Chelsea and you know, Chelsea are a form team. But the thing is about Liverpool's win last night, what's impressive about that is it is that ability to grind out the result as well mm. when you're not playing particularly well. That's really impressive because Liverpool have had some really big victories of late, but those can also be quite exhausting. Mm. You know, when you're winning these big matches and they haven't won the league since 90, so, you know, the, the Liverpool, as you know, it's a, it's a small town and there'll be a lot of talk in the town about a lot of expectation and that can be quite draining on the players. You know, let's not forget that a big a big victory over a team in a in sense can be as draining for the team that wins as the team that loses. So I think Liverpool have been very impressive just to sort of drag themselves through the Sunderland match. Mm. I think a big thing, I don't really remember a match of the day on Saturday night when Suarez went through on goal for his hat-trick. He had been bearing in mind it was the last minute, or the last minute of injury time. He'd already scored two goals, yet he wrestles this Cardiff defender to the floor. He can easily square the ball to Sterling to tap him, but he still goes ahead and sort of scores, you know, takes it on the keeper and scores. I mean, there's a there's a will to win there with Liverpool that maybe hasn't been there for a little while. And that's Rodgers. Rodgers should be thanked for that, which is why you can't roll him out for the league. You know, they can still pull something out, something spectacular out. Uh, Rodgers really has just transformed that club. And it's funny because a lot of people criticise him for making outlandish statements, for sounding ridiculous, for being a bit, you know, to up himself. But I actually think that's really good. You know, he's a, rab- he's a rabble rouser. Mm. He came in, he's only been there for, you know, a couple of years. But he's always spoken about, you know, the city is really important. I came here to inspire the city. Now, people might laugh at that outside Liverpool, but I think that's actually really powerful messaging. It's really strong. 
and he's given these players so much belief. I mean, how many other managers in the top four would have John Flanagan playing so often and so well? How many other players, how many other managers would have made so much out of a player like Raheem Sterling, who's a terrific talent, but using him right is the right, you know, that's the challenge. You know, how many players would have, how many managers would have used him as, as a number 10, basically, the top of a midfield diamond? So Rodgers has been so smart this year, you know, alongside Martinez, actually, probably the cleverest coach tactically in the Premier League, in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I quite rate John Flanagan, not just the fact he's at Liverpool, I think he's got quite a good attitude on him. I think he's going to be a very good player, hopefully. So, Mark and Emma, you, we did this thing at this, with our very first podcast, didn't we, where we predicted who was going to win. Have you changed your minds at all? Uh, I think I, I think I went for Manchester City, and um, I'm going to stick with them. I think, you know, they've got a couple of games in hand, which, you know, they, they might they might mess them up, but, um, you know, they, they've got maybe just something extra in attack that Chelsea don't have, and... Um, the strength in midfield that perhaps Liverpool don't have if Gerrard's not the orchestrator. So I'll go with Man City still. Okay. Emma? I can't remember who I went for. Who do you feel now then? Agree with what Mark said. I don't I don't think it'll be Liverpool. Don't kill me. <laughs> um I just I just don't think they have got they've got they've got a very, very good team and they're playing some amazing football at times but I I don't see them as Premier League winners I still think that it's Man City it's all three of you go Man City I think there's three I think the three things that stick out of each team you've got Chelsea's defence are now starting to, to be really miserly you've got Liverpool's attacking force and you've got City's strength and creativity in midfield so they've each got something different I, I feel that, that could win them the title but I think when you look at them all together, I think perhaps the least amount of weaknesses are in Manchester City. Right. I think the, I think Chelsea are going to do it. I think the biggest thing Chelsea have got is Mourinho. He's a winner and he's streetwise. He's done it before. And I just think Manchester City and Liverpool are just sort of a stupid away draw away from losing. I, don't, I can't see Chelsea dropping points away from home at places where Liverpool and City will. Well, they lost to Villa, didn't they, last week? Uh, they did, week yeah. But... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> okay, well, I still go Chelsea. I think the Mourinho factor, much as I loathe them, man, is, um, is pretty big. Okay, uh, moving on to other news. Uh, Bayern Munich have sealed their 25th Bundesliga title. They won 3-1 against Hertha Berlin. That's their third title of the season, um, European Super Cup and the FIFA World Club Cup. And a couple of stats for you. It's their 52nd game without defeat. And Philippe Lahm had a 100% pass success rate. 134 passes. Which is pretty impressive. Good grief. And he's not he, bad, is he? He's all right, isn't he? <laughs> Especially yeah, he's, he's... he plays that position now, doesn't he? They play, Pep plays him in midfield. But he's always been such a good player on the ball that you could play him anyway. He's that good. Yeah. I must say, though, I never saw that coming. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people when Lam got moved to midfield, we're like, actually, it's the natural progression for him. But I can't say I saw that. I mean, that, they're such different positions. You know, obviously, you know, anyone that's played any kind of, of football, the positional issues, you know, if you're to be at the centre of everything, to receive the ball from everywhere on the half turn, to play it into space. I mean, that's absolutely incredible what he's done. He's basically taken an incredible side by uh, Guardiola and reinterpreted it. He's made it even better. He's basically made it Barcelona with big guys. You know, they're, they're even faster. They're even more powerful. Uh, I don't know how he's done that, given, you know, he's had resources, but his tactical mind is just on a different level. He's he's obviously seen something in Lam that he recognised from Xavi. You know, a similar style, similar build. You know, that the, perpet, the perpetual motion thing, which Lam was always pretty good at when he was playing, whether he's playing right back or left back. Right. Um, Schweinsteiger is a good player in the same position, but I don't think he's quite as mobile or as, or his brain's quite as agile as Lam Right, or is. cerebral, right. He's a thinker. There's there's an extra level that you go to when you're a midfield playmaker like Xavi or, or Lam. And I think, you know, Lam does deserve to be in the same breath as Xavi. Mm. You know, to anticipate space, to create space with triangles and quick movement. And to me, that's such a most remarkable achievement that Guardiola's had is converting Lam into that player. Yeah. Okay, so if you're sat at home with a remote control now, on one side you've got this uh, this Bayern team playing on one side, on the other side you've got the Barcelona team of 2009, 10, 11. Who are you going to watch? It's still Barca. Barcelona. 
the originate the originators. I have to say they're the originators <laughs> of that style, and it's always you have to respect the forerunners. So it's going to be the old Barca. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to watch? Are you going to watch that, or are you going to watch the uh, FA Cup final two thousand eight? <laughs> Can't live in the past, though, can you? No. Are you sure, Emma? No, no other teams you want to disrespect. You want to disrespect Bayern and Barcelona when you got the chance? Go for it. No, no, I have nothing against Bayern or Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> um, Celtic secured their forty-fifth league title this week. They beat Partick Thistle five-one. This is the earliest a league title has been won in Scotland since nineteen twenty-nine. If ever a club... What a surprise. Yeah, exactly. If ever a club is out of place or out of position, it's Celtic, I suppose. It, the, the, the the bad thing for Scottish football is it's it's certainly not a vintage Celtic team of any description. No. But it doesn't but it doesn't have to be. You know, that's the that's the problem with Scottish football. Without a Rangers up there competing financially um with Celtic and uh, and at least having two teams in the Champions League and and bringing some of that money back in and and Okay, they aren't developing their own talent particularly often anymore. Um, at least bringing in some half decent foreigners uh, to play for them. I mean, you've got some decent sides in Scotland. You've got Aberdeen, who are not not a bad little team. Motherwell do very well on a very small budget, and you've got some talented kids at Dundee United. But that's all it is, you know. If they were in their own little mini league, it'd be it'd be really entertaining for them. But Celtic are just, uh, you know, just on a different level, mm. which is yeah. a shame. It's a shame because, you know, the Scots are football mad, mad just as anybody else is, you know, really passionate about the game. But whether whether Rangers can survive long enough to get back up into the Premier League and, and make it uh, entertaining again and make it, make it, you know, semi-competitive again. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Cause Can I say, that's, with, with, that's Celtic, not... with Celtic win, I'm just happy to see players I really like, like Chris Commons winning league titles, um, because I really <laughs> liked him at Derby. And I always think it's a shame when you have fantastic entertainers like that who don't win trophies. So if nothing else, just to see him win his you know, his league title is, is a great thing. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my one contribution there. Or even Chris Commons. Yeah. He's, ta- he's talented and it's nice to see a lad with a little extra padding win a few uh, trophies, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's brutal. There's hope, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. There's hope for us all. Put it that way. There's hope for us all. But I, I mean, when we were listening, after the um, Liverpool game, we had Talk Sport on, and and they were saying, you know, if you'd said to Celtic a few years ago that you were going to be winning the title now in a Glasgow derby, it it would have meant so much more. And I think that is the real decline. And and I read today that Rangers are still reporting three point five million pound losses. So. Mm-hmm. Even if they do manage to come back up again, are they ever going to be able to compete with what Celtic have, are doing with just by being, you know, by carrying on the way they are? Range, Rangers are all over the place. There's no guarantee that they're going to, you know, they've got boardroom wranglings. They've got people trying to take over the club. They've got debts, as you mentioned, there piling up. You know, there's talk of administration again blah 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 they've got this massive wage bill even though they're in the third division but they're still getting um you know big crowds and what have you it's just a you know going bankrupt and starting again wasn't the the end of one story in the beginning of another it's just like a continuation of the mess from the last time so even if rangers were to get back in the premier league in the next couple of years which they probably will if they stay around i still don't see them being competitive anytime soon Hmm. um La Liga, Real Madrid lost again, and they lost 2-1 to Seville. Barca beat Salta Vigo 3-0, Atletico beat Grenada, or Granada, um, depending on how my Leicester accent says it, uh, uh, 1-0. So Atletico Madrid now top, they're ahead of a point of Barcelona, on, uh, they were on 72, and Real Madrid are on 70. So in the space of a week, that's all completely turned on its head again. Um, Premier League the best in the world, or are we talking La Liga? Premier League is more competitive top to bottom in the sense that anyone can beat anyone. Um, at the very top of La Liga, I think the quality is just slightly higher. And can I just say that Diego Simeone, what an astonishing job he is doing at Letico. Because he is out-coaching, you know, he's really out-coaching Martino and Ancelotti at the moment with far less resources, far fewer resources, but a really impressive team. And they might yet do it. They really might yet do it. Well, he's, is, it is it the uh, the Spanish Brendan Rodgers? Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? Funny, not not the worst comparison. If you look what he's getting out of those players, they are very good players. But the way he has them playing, 
the brilliance of what Rodgers has done this year at Liverpool is to make the team greater than some of its parts. And that's what uh, Simeone is doing right now. Well, I've um, read articles today of uh, Diego Costa now being linked for the move to Chelsea in the summer. Yeah, I've seen so that, that as well a couple of times. Mm, that could be really interesting. Diego Costa at Chelsea would be terrifying because he's exactly <laughs> the player they need. He's exactly the player they need. He's hungry. He's not got the injury behind him like Falcao. Um, he's got a great platform for his talent if he moves there. He's got fantastic playmakers behind him. You know, a front two, a, a number 10 of Oscar playing behind. You know, Oscar or Hazard playing behind. Would he want to go? If he wins a Liga with Atletico Madrid, what's to make him want to go? Yeah, I'm just not sure how how long he'll be able to keep that team together, Simeone. They'll be victims of their own success now because I think a lot of those players have surprised a lot of people around Europe. A lot of those players are still very young as well, so it might be a good time for them to be picked up by other people. So we'll see how long this era lasts, to be honest. OK. Banners this week uh, a bit in the news a little bit. Bayern Munich have been forced to close a section on their ground and we find €10,000, that will hit them hard, uh, for homophobic chants uh, and... Uh, oh, I'm thinking banners and banners about uh, the political status of Kosovo in the Champions League game against Arsenal. Um, Manchester United are set to keep the Moyes chosen one banner after stewards had to stand to protect it on Tuesday night from being removed. Uh, Manchester United fans are also looking to buy a, a wrong one Moyes out banner, attach it to a plane and fly it over the top of Old Trafford on Saturday as they take on Aston Villa. That will inspire them. And Arsenal, an Arsenal fan has decided to take... A, Wenger out banner to the FA Cup semi-final. Um, it's got a couple of bits on it. It says it's Arsenal FC, not Arsenal FC. But it's not gone down very well amongst Arsenal fans on Twitter. A lot of them saying that the chance, well, best chance of winning a trophy in nine years, you want to take a banner saying get the manager out, which doesn't sort of stick with you getting behind the team. So uh, banners a lot in the in the news there. Uh, Premier League predictions time. You did this a couple of weeks for us. Okay, for his move. So when uh, Emma wasn't here, um, now this every week we read out the list of the fixtures um, and we get a point per correct one we got. I got eight last week. Uh, oh, look at you! I know, get me. I'm gonna sort of might say that a few more times. <laughs> uh, uh, overall, Mark has got 47. I got 45. Emma has got 43. So. You were supposed to be covering Mark this week, Musa, but as he's here, I think what I'll do, I'll read out the fixture, you give a little synopsis of what you think's going to happen, and then the three of us make our mind up based on what we think and what you say from there. Is that okay? Sure, yeah. Okay, so first of all, we'll uh, go to Old Trafford and the stop with Cowell and uh, David Gower flying over it. It's going to be Man United <laughs> versus Aston Villa. What do you think? Um, hmm. I think United will take that by a goal. I think United will take that. Just about. It won't be pretty. Uh, it won't be easy, but I think they'll win that. Yeah, there's an extreme reluctance to back against United in these predictions. I think because of sort of years of. It's historic, you know. And even though teams are coming to Old Trafford and basically treating like a day trip these days, it you know West Ham United turned over West Ham fairly easily at Old Trafford, and I think Villa are in, sort of vaguely in the same category. They haven't played the best football. Uh, United have a decent record against them, so I think United are going to beat them, but very narrowly this time. Okay. What do you think, guys? I agree with Musa. I think um, United will probably take it 1-0, maybe 2-1. Just I don't think Villa are great at the back, so just United. Okay. Emma? Yeah, I'd have to say I agree. You're going United. I think we're all going to go United. Okay. Uh, Crystal Palace, Chelsea. What do you think of this one, Musa? Oh, that's Chelsea. <laughs> well, I'll make a case for Palace. Go on. Tony Police has coached Palace extremely well, extremely well. But I don't think that Mourinho is the type of manager to be complacent about the threat that he faces from them. I think he'll play very powerful, quick passing on the counter. And I can see I can see a couple of goal margin going there. I can see them winning by a couple at Palace. Okay. Emma? Yeah, I think it'd be silly not to back Chelsea for this one. Uh Mark. I've got to agree with the guys on that one, Chelsea. Okay, then I'm going to go Chelsea as well. So we're all agreeing with each other again this week. Don't worry, there's still room for Discord. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's, give, it, let's give it time. <laughs> uh, Southampton, Newcastle. 
So long trip down for the Geordies. Are they going to return happy? I don't think they will. I think Southampton is the fortress. I think it's a very tough place to get a result at the best of times. And Newcastle aren't in the form to get it. So I think Southampton taking that. Okay. Mark? Yep, Southampton. And I think they might win quite comfortably. I can see Newcastle getting a thrashing if they don't pull the finger out big time. Okay, Emma? As much as it pains me again to rely on them, <laughs> I have to go with Southampton. I can't see them losing that one. No, I can't either. Right, again, we all agree. Right. Emma's friend, Stoke uh, against Hull. What do you think, Musa? Ooh, now that's interesting. Mm. I think that's going to be a draw. Because Hull are a difficult side. Their pride has been a bit stung by the West Ham defeat because they shouldn't be losing a team like that. Bruce has coached them really well this year. I think that's a draw. Okay. Emma? I can't. I think Hull have been a good side. And, you know, I will go for a Hull win. You're going for a Hull win? Mark? I don't think I've predicted these two teams correctly since we started doing this. They're just, Hull are a good team, but whenever I back them, they lose. And and Stoke are a poor team, and whenever I back against them, they win. So I'm going to go, I think home advantage might be the thing that will swing it for Stoke in a 1-0 or a 2-1. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Okay. Swansea Norwich, more of Emma's friends. What do you think, Musa? Ooh. I'm going with Swansea there, you know. I'm going with Swansea. They haven't been quite the team they were last year. Everyone knows that. They'll be slightly stung after the Arsenal uh, result. They're going to be on home ground again. They're a good side. They want to end the season well. Norwich have slightly struggled uh, of late. I think it's Swansea. They've got um, Michu coming back as well, haven't they? Oh, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, he's been out for a while, yeah. yeah. Okay, Emma? Um, I'm a creature of habit, so I have to go with Swansea. See more anti-Norwich bias from you there. Yay! <laughs> Anything against Norwich, just as long as they go down and I get my predictions right. <laughs> uh, Mark, what do you reckon? Um, well, Norwich—they just—they got a, a good win, didn't they, the other the other day, and uh, it's pulled them a little bit clear. But their end of season's a bit tough, so they need to get points. But Swansea must have played well at Arsenal, and they certainly should have beaten Everton when they lost. Last weekend, uh, they played that well. Um, I'll go with Swansea. Yeah, Swansea. Okay. Well, they, yeah, they're Looks nightmare. Like, Sorry? Looks like they've got a bit of form behind them. Yeah, well, Norwich's last four games, I think it's the nightmare scenario of United, Liverpool and Chelsea or something, and, and, and Arsenal or something ridiculous like that. So I think they need to get something from this, but I'm going to go for a draw. West Brom, Cardiff. West Brom, I think. West Brom. Um... Cardiff put on an impressive show. Uh, sorry, Cardiff put on an impressive showing against Liverpool. Ultimately, you know, got outgunned. But then again, who doesn't against Liverpool these days? But I just think that you know they've got inconsistent form. Cardiff, they've looked decent away from home on the break. But I just think that this is going to be a West Brom, a narrow West Brom win. Okay, Mark. Tough. Um... Ooh, I'll say a draw. It's like tossing a coin with these two, isn't it? You've got absolutely no... You just don't know I... what they're going to produce. This is the problem. You have no idea just... what they're going to produce in week and week. Yeah. Yeah, just go down the middle and go for a draw. I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is as bad a manager as where Cardiff are. No, he's certainly not that. He's not as bad a manager, and no, they're certainly not. Um, and like I say, he put on a really good showing, I think, for the first part of that game against Liverpool. Really impressive. Yeah. But he was just outmatched. The thing about West Brom is they don't quite have the firepower. Um, and so that may count against them. I mean, a draw is a sensible shout, but I'll just I'll go for the West Brom win. Mm. Emma, I I completely agree. It, it depends on what what they both show up and do, and I think it'll be a draw. You go for a draw. A nice score draw, two all or something. Yeah, I'm going to go for a Cardiff win. I think. Just trying to be different now, aren't you? Wow, well, you know you've got to play it tactically a little bit, but I also think they did look quite tasty going forwards last week against Liverpool. I don't think West Brom's defence is any worse than Liverpool's. Liverpool defence is, um, is not all that. Uh, right, so final game on Saturday, the late kickoff is Arsenal Manchester City. Ah, uh, um, I think that's Man City. I think it's Man City. The midfield's looking really robust at the moment. They were terrific against United. Uh, this is the thing, you know, given United played poorly, it almost took the attention away from City. They were really terrific against us, so I think they're going to take that. 
Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that game, or can Arsenal? No, 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 no. It's it's not. It's not. I mean, Arsenal. You know, they always put up a pretty decent showing at the Emirates. Well, pretty much anyway. But um, I just think I just think City have too much in midfield there. Okay, Emma. I think it would be silly to go against Man City at the moment. I think that that Arsenal on a good day could pose problems, but they've just been undone too many times this season. And I don't think that they're going to have not learnt from it, because obviously they have, but I don't think there's anything that they can do to change it. And if Man City get off to a good start, get an early goal, I think it could possibly see the floodgates open again. Okay, Mark? Yeah, you've got to go for City, haven't you, really? Um, Chelsea showed um, what you can do against Arsenal if you put your mind to it. Um, and I don't see any reason why City couldn't do something similar to them. Um, I think I think City might win quite comfortably. Yeah, I think if they Arsenal play the way they played against Chelsea and Liverpool, I think it could be um, could be a cricket score, couldn't it? The problem, with, the problem with Arsenal is, and this is the terrible thing to say because I really like Arsenal, actually, the psychological strength is so strange. You know, when you had Skulls the other day talking about... The mental strength of the Arsenal players, Arteta, Cazorla, you know, very harsh on Wilshire, I thought. But there does seem to be a problem at Arsenal with with crumbling confidence. And it seems something that's endemic for the last few years. It's a really, really odd phenomenon. But I think it, unfortunately, it might manifest again on, on Saturday. Well, yeah, I think if you look at it, I think Arsenal, Chelsea have got some very strong-minded players. You think Terry Cahill um, at the back, and I think... Man- Ivanovic, Czech, you know, these are tough players. These are, you know, these are tough players. They're leaders, all of them. Exactly. Man City have got um, uh, Yaya Torre. Liverpool have got Suarez, who's a very strong, single-minded person as well. But you can't see that with Arsenal, can you? Unfortunately not. I just can't. And that's, I hate, you know, I really like Wenger and I don't like criticising him, but, you know, he doesn't really invest in leaders like he should. He really doesn't. Mm. He inherited Adams, didn't he? And, you know, okay, he didn't, necessarily get lucky with Saul Campbell but you know Campbell was a, a lead by example type of player but how many others have there been like that you know I suppose Vieira you know the problem mm. with um and, and Henri as well was a leader I think the problem that Wenger has is that he doesn't blend his squad very well you know so Skulls made a very good point he said that someone like Wilshire should have been learning alongside someone like Vieira yeah. but you're putting players in you're putting young players in and expecting them to lead without kind of giving them that mentor in midfield which they really really need unfortunately there's no way around that Mm. Um, you know, there was one time, even when United were fairly, you know, not they weren't, they would have been poor, but even when United were, you know, the early 2000s and they weren't necessarily keeping pace with Arsenal as, might, as well as they might like to, at one point they had three national captains in their first 11. Mm. That's the kind of thing that you need at a team like Arsenal. You need that quality. And I just don't think they've got it in terms of, you know, the mental strength. Mertesacker not qualify for that? He's, 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 look, when, when they bought Mertesacker, I thought that's fantastic. He's mm. just the kind of player that Arsenal should be buying. That great moment when he shouts at Ozil for not clapping the away fans is terrific. Mm. And you need more of that in your team. And unfortunately, like Ozil, fantastic player as he is, he does have that mental frailty. I mean, to me, it was amazing that he actually came out and admitted uh, Wenger that Ozil's head had gone down after missing the penalty against Bayern. I thought that was extraordinary. Not just that Ozil let it happen, but that Wenger actually admitted to it in public. That was very strange, I thought. Mm. You, you wouldn't have caught Ferguson saying that at his peak, put it that way. You wouldn't have caught him doing that. No, I don't suppose you would, would you? No, Ferguson would have made. He would have created a fuss about something. He would have criticised, you know, the uh, the clothing the lines was wearing just to distract everyone from it. You know, just to sort of create a diversion from the lost confidence of a player. Yeah, he's like modern day Freud, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Man City. Okay. Um, right, Mark. I'm going to jump straight to Mark. This one. This is uh, Everton. Hope you don't mind. Um, Fulham, Everton, Mark. What do you think? Um. As much as I hate to say it, I'm going to not hate to say it, but I'm reluctant to say I'm going to go quite confidently for an Everton win if they play anything like they did against Newcastle. And if Fulham just be Fulham, then I can't see Everton not winning. Okay. Um, what do you think, Musa? Yeah, I think that's, that's Everton are taking that. I'll take that at home. Yeah, they're just too good. Yeah. Uh, Emma? I have to go for Everton. You're going for Everton as well, are you? I feel I should just do something contrary, just because it's very similar this week, but I can't really, because it's Fulham. So <laughs> so I won't. Uh, right, well, here we go. Uh, Liverpool, Tottenham. 
What do you think, Musa? Liverpool taking that. Liverpool at home, they've already worked out Tottenham once. You know, Rodgers, he'll outcoach. This is about Rodgers. Whenever you see them, Liverpool play someone, you just think, will he outcoach his opposite man? And he will outcoach Sherwood. Well, the thing with Rodgers, he retired from playing at 20, didn't he? So he's had 20 years coaching experience. And he's also just a very, very, very intelligent guy. Mm. You know, I think Barcelona were recently looking around at a potential new coach and they mentioned Rodgers' name. I mean, that in itself says what you need to know. Mm. Uh, he's just a very, very clever guy. And I think he'll be too smart for Sherwood. Okay. What do you think, guys? What do you think, Emma? Yeah, I completely agree. I can't. I... Everything that I personally think Sherwood lacks, he makes up for. So I would have to go with Liverpool for that one. Okay. Mark? Yep. I think Liverpool might, again, they might win this quite easily 3 4 0. Maybe Tot- Tottenham, I think, and Sherwood in particular might be just a bit too formulaic, you know, two banks of four. And that that's perfect for Liverpool players to play in between the lines as they do. Um, so I can see Tottenham getting a bit of a maul in on Sunday. All right. I've never picked Liverpool once in time doing this. So I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to go for a draw. Oh, Liverpool are going to fly out the traps at them. They are going to absolutely eviscerate them. I, I know. Think. I know all this, but. <laughs> You're probably clutching a rabbit's foot in your pocket, aren't you? I... <laughs> Goodness me. Okay, well, to each their own. To each their own. Oh, I just can't. I've had 20 years of watching. Oh, bloody Sean. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's fair enough. It's fair Sean enough. Dundee and, you know, Andre Vorin and people like that. I can't. Eric, Eric Meyer. Eric Meyer, God. Jean Michel Ferry. Sorry to drop it in. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anthony Talak. The list goes on. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> Bernard Diomade. Sorry. 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 Bernard Diomade was good on Championship Manager. The first thing I did was just sell him. Somebody would always bid like five million for him. Oh, my goodness. Hasn't, hasn't he got a World Cup winner's medal, Diomade? I think he. Yes, I think you're right. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yep, yep, there you go. Okay. Jimmy Traore is a Champions League winner's medal. Yeah. So does Jonathan Steph- Greening. So does Jonathan Greening. So let me not <laughs> let, let me not cast the first stone. And David May. Oh, but poor May. But May, May was a very good player till the injury. He was, but he got it's, himself in that picture well, didn't he? He did, he did. It was a photo, the first photobomb, actually, in recorded history. <laughs> yeah, he, he got lucky, didn't he? Because someone got injured, uh, in, and he got he played in the FA Cup final, didn't he? And then he played in that, in the Champions League final. I think that's right, yes, yes, yes. Um, and, you know, to be honest, like, it's harsh of you. You can't photobomb your own team. But, you know, good luck to the guy. He got his medals, he got his paycheck, so, you know. He's a wine merchant, Wow, really? So is Desai does a bit of wine. I, mean, I don't know if he's a wine merchant, but Desai definitely does a bit of um. He's a bit of a wine connoisseur. Is he? Is he? Yeah. Oh well, they're not um, pleading poverty. No, it's just true. <laughs> Last one, Monday night's game is Sunderland West Ham. So, what do you think of this one, Musa? Sunderland. Yeah. Tough place to go, Sunderland. It's, it's Sunderland's one of those funny places like Elland Road. It is always hard to get a result there, unless you're sort of Arsenal in the early 2000s. It's always hard to get a result there. And I think I think that West Ham will just it'll be too much for them. Okay, Mark, what do you think? It, it totally depends on what Poyet plays, whether he puts uh, Key and Colback and Johnson in the team again. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with a draw. I'm stuck on that one. You go with a draw, are you? Emma. I'm going to be different. I'm going to go for a West Ham win. Are you based on what? Yeah. Um. I think they have a bit of a point to prove. But then maybe say to the Sunderland players that were left out, I don't know. I just got I've got a feeling. Sunderland's problems is goals. That you know, whether they play Barini up front or Fletcher up front, one or two men up front, the pro- Sunderland's problem is scoring goals. And and West Ham uh, up to a, not so long ago had the most clean sheets, didn't they, this season in the Premier League. And they're still fairly tough to get goals past, so you know, all those people are saying Sunderland are too good to go down and, um, you know, they've got a couple of games in hand. They just don't score enough, you know. It's going to be way way too tight, than way tighter than it should be for them. Yeah, uh, and, shout, yeah. And I think West Ham, are, you know, especially if they've just had a bit of a stick off the fans, even when they won at home the other night, you know, that's likely to make Allardyce more belligerent towards, you know, the game of football itself. And it'll put out a team to grind out a nil-nil or a 1-1. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's a good shout, man. Yeah, I'm going to go Sunderland there. I think they are fighting for their lives as well. They they are now um, three points off 
Crystal Palace who are in seventeenth place and they've got a very similar goal difference. I still think they um they could produce a result or two. As long as they don't play that Virginie at centre half, then they'll be okay. Who? Because Virginie, who played the other night against Liverpool, he was hilarious. He was terrible. <laughs> well, they got... uh, I, I, I thought about. It. I think. I think. I think they'll come through Sunderland. Yeah. Say that again. Sorry. I think Sunderland will still come through that game. I think they'll win that. I think they do. I think. I always think Sunderland will win most weeks. I think. I think Poirier is actually quite a decent manager. I don't think he's. Um, people paid him out to be this sort of bonkers South American. I think he's a bit more than that. Yeah, no, that's fair. And also, let's not forget, like the coaches actually in the Premier League are really quite good. Like, if you look through the t- if you look through the managers in the Premier League now, there's a lot of coaching talent there. Um, you know, with the exception of United, it, you know, and United and Tottenham, it's hard to say that each club doesn't have the manager of the quality they deserve. Uh, you know, even down the bottom of the table, you know, Magath is a very good coach. You know, Solskjaer, he's won league titles. Pulis has been terrific at Crystal Palace. It's just a very well coached. I think it's a very well coached league at the moment in the Premier League. Mm. No, I think you're right. I think Kem. Well, one of the big mistakes I think Moyes did was get rid of the old coaching staff, didn't he? Well, apparently he promised. Uh, it's all coming out now. It's been the story for a few months, but apparently he promised Ferguson he would leave the coaching staff in place, and he didn't, and that led to a really big argument um, in the summer because you know he sort of said he he said he'd keep you know. Mullenstein there and you know Eric Steele the goalkeeping coach and he didn't so uh, the rock kind of began to set in very early at United unfortunately mm. and I, th- I think what's happened is that's then led on to a bit of a, uh, a dressing room frost towards him he hasn't won over quite a lot of the players and what's going to have to happen is that in the summer they're going to have to shift an awful lot of players out of that dressing room because they probably won't turn in his favour now um, and if he needs to get in six or seven of his of his own men, however good these people might be, in the team. Otherwise, you know, he won't get past Christmas next season. I have to say this. Look, I'm, I've been very, very sort of like, I think temperate or balanced about this, but I just can't see how they retained him, to be honest. I think he should go in the summer. I really do believe he should go in the summer. Just because I can't see him tactically outthinking the very top teams. Who I just you- don't. You, when teams when when Moyes goes behind against teams like Man City, he doesn't make adjustments. He does. He's not innovative enough to make the you know the really smart choices to change things around. He can't stem the tide. He's just not tactically that good at adjusting. I just think at the very top level in Europe, the Premier League, you, you've got to have that. I think one thing that showed through which was when they played in Olympiacos the other week, and when they as soon as they got to three 0 up, which was quite early in the second half, he did the typical thing that he always used to do when Everton got one goal ahead with half an hour or 40 minutes to go was it was basically retreat, retreat, retreat until you were basically letting your 11 men were sitting on the edge of, a, of your own box. And that's exactly what happened against Olympiacos. And United were lucky in the end not to concede a goal because if that had been anybody half decent, they would have they would have waltzed through and scored and United would have been out. And it was, it was Moyes coaching or managing by numbers and it, it used to do it at Everton all the time against whether it was home to City and we went 1-0 up or, or home to Fulham and we went 1-0 up with half an hour remaining we would just creep further and further back until we were letting teams of an inferior standard you know totally dictate the play and he did it against Olympiacos and he got away with it but it was exactly what he does every single time and he never learns you know and that's that's one of his problems I think he's another one who He's very formulaic, you know, and he's he hasn't got a bunch of players at United who fits into that formula. The only way he's going to do that now is to move a lot on and bring a lot in. But as you said, Musa, are they going to let him do that? Are they going to give him the time and the money to to do that and then for it not to work out and then get rid of him by Christmas and they're starting from scratch? Yeah, I think that's right. Richie Barker's free. <laughs> <laughs> Emma will write his um, references for you. Oh, I will drive him to Old Trafford if that's what you want. <laughs> All right, excellent. Has anybody got anything they um, they wish to promote or push at the moment? No. Uh, maybe just one thing. So I've just been in Brazil making a documentary for BBC World Service about Brazil's quest in the World Cup this summer. Uh, and that's coming out in May. So I thought I'd just quickly mention that. I mean, it's, a, it's still a while off, but uh, hopefully it should be fun. I spoke to a lot of great players, some current players, some ex-players from Brazil, 
um, Carlos Alberto, spoke to Zico, spoke to Oscar, David Luis and so on. So it was a really great experience. Um, and also spoke to some anthropologists, spoke to some choreographers about the kind of culture and politics of Brazil. So that's something that I would like to plug because I think it's going to be um, hopefully a really good lesson. OK. Mark, you've been out jet-setted. Uh, yeah, well, I work for a Brazilian company, so, you know, fala portuguese? No, sadly not. Sadly ah, not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I'm in Reading this week, so it's not quite as glamorous. <laughs> Why do you say that? Yeah. I'm sure there's parts of Reading that could compare. Um, the what, favelas? The favela, the favela <laughs> parts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, have you got anything football pinky coming up? Uh, no, the Football Pink fanzine is still available, uh, either to download to Kindle or you can buy the print copy um, via the website as previously. Still on issue three. Issue four will be World Cup related and will come out around about May or June time. Okay. Uh, and then if you each give me your, um, your Twitter handle, so it's at the Football Pink, isn't it? At the Football Pink, yeah. Okay. Emma, what's yours? At Webs. Okay. And Musa, if anyone wants to follow you? Uh, it's at Okwonga, so that's O-K-W-O-N-G-A. Okay. I'd like to say thank you ever so much. Thanks to, um, thank you to Mark. Uh, thank you. Thanks to Emma. Thanks. And thank you to Musa for coming on. Thank you. Okay. Uh, you've got, this will be out for download. Well, you will know this because you're listening to it, but it's Friday. <laughs> um, the guys will be back with a Sunday show. They had a couple of new presenters themselves this week. That'll be out for a um, download available on uh, Monday morning so you've been listening to the Man on the Post extra time so all it lets me to say is always remember to keep your Man on the Post Cool Now you have recorded this time Chris yeah. I have recorded this time Okay Thank God my laptop is still working Perfect Excellent. Right. I'm going to stop this and send it off to Ross before it goes tits up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going back to bed because, like Booster, I've been in bed for the last couple of days. Fantastic. I'm going to do the same again. <coughs> sorry, that's been waiting to come out for an hour. Um, <laughs> wow, goodness me. Yeah, sorry. Terrible, terrible cold. So I better go and retreat. Get myself a hot drink, get myself a stir fry, and then I'm going to get to bed. No problem. Sorry, that's the legacy of two days in bed. That's it. Better out than me. Yeah. Um, sorry, wait. Sorry, wait. Um, pause, pause, pause. I've got right. to. Uh, I've got to step out and give them, give my housemate the Hoover. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, these domestic issues. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry. Did you go in the changing rooms and on the pitch? Yeah. Well, not on the pitch. Went on the changing rooms and then stood on like the touchline and had a look. Whose spot did you sit in? Uh, oh, I have my picture taken in Vincent Company's changing room space because he's i couldn't think of any other city player i liked that much <laughs> i think everybody likes vincent company don't they yeah maybe hall fans don't but well i think he's, he's quite a level no, i'm not gonna start slagging off hull as well yeah you've got a long list haven't you norwich and <laughs> stoke <laughs> i heard in one of them as tweets there was a bit of a um bit of a sly dig at rochdale it seemed at one point so you can you can cross that off the list of places to you're allowed back in I've crossed it off a place I'd never want to go again. No, it wasn't that bad, to be fair. It was quite, I mean, you can get to it on the um, Metrolink and things, so it wasn't too bad, but they'll be going up anyway, and when we go down, there'll be a great big division between us. I don't think I'll need to go back for a while. Basically, we every week, Musa, Emma puts her foot in it with a different set of fans, so we had Norwich no, a couple I'm of weeks ago. No, I'm consistently nasty about Norwich. It's fine. <laughs> it's stoked last week as well. Goodness me, you'll have to go undercover. You'll have to be sort of a secret football fan. You have to wear a mask at games. Yeah, we're the secret footballer. He's been exposed, Doing... though, hasn't he? Um, yeah, well, I suppose so. I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's relations to who he is. Um, but yeah, he, he just tweeted today that there were currently eight internal investigations about racism um, based on training ground incidents, two of which are in the Premier League. So that came out today. That was, he, that was his tweet today, which oh, is really? interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. I don't, I don't follow him. Does he allude to which clubs they are? Or he didn't. He didn't. Uh, I don't follow him either. He was retweeted, yeah. so I saw the um, I saw the tweets. I picked them up. So that's interesting. I suppose it's very interesting. Yeah, I suppose it is. I suppose if you've got a 
if you've got a multitude of nations at a club, if you look at some, I'm not saying this is a particular case, but if you've got something like City where you've got a, a Bosnian striker playing with a, a, a Serb right or left back, then, you know, there's tension there, possibly, isn't there? Through... Yeah, but people can often bond over their difference. Don't forget the unlikeliest friendship in football, which is um, Carlos Tevez, G-Sung Park and uh, Patrice Evra. And goodness knows what those people even talk about because <laughs> Park doesn't speak the best, never spoke the best English. Um, neither did, I think, I think Tevez still speaks very limited English. Then you have Evra. So it was, you know, I, I don't know what, the, I don't even know what the common, the common ground was there. See, so you never know where racism arrives or where, where these bonds will arise. It's, it's a very odd one. That's true. That's true. Although Evra speaks Spanish, doesn't he? Evra speaks a lot of languages, doesn't he? He does. He does. Arteta yeah. speaks seven, I think, doesn't he? Right, well, that would make both of their moves easier in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Whether, I suppose you count Catalan and Spanish as two separate languages, don't you? And oh my, yes, absolutely, you do definitely. No, you'd, be, <laughs> you'd be very advised to make that distinction if you're speaking to Catalan and Spanish, I have to say. And Basque as well, because he's Basque, isn't he? So there's three. Is that not cheating? No, I think you better separate those very. You better demarcate those things very clearly, just in <laughs> case you have a Basque nationalist or you know a Catalan listen to this podcast. You don't want to get anything. You don't get a nasty reaction in your in your mentions. That's true. That's very true. Uh, right. And to, to any Catalans or Basques, I don't. You know, I, I understand the distinction. Just so you know, <laughs> a lot of your best friends are Basques. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say a really good point then, and I couldn't remember it as soon as it came to my mouth. You've gone very crackly all of a sudden, Musa. Who? Yeah. Yeah, I've gone crackly, have I? Uh, maybe that's just Essex, the sort of you know, the foreign territories of Essex and the, the reception. Is, is it still correctly? <laughs> no, that's better. Wherever you sat now with your head out the window or whatever. Okay, cool. I'll, stay, I'll stay right here, yeah.